Hi everybody, this is Nick, and I will let you know that I will be at FallCon Saturday, September 25th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Pre-sale tickets are available. They're $12 and then $15 at the door. Children under nine get for free. Come see me and a lot of my other artistic friends and previous guests of the show show off their works. And I will be there too, selling my comic book, The Green Way, and promoting the show. Come see me, Fall Con, at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. All right, we're here with Paul. Paul, it's dedication time. So what would you like to dedicate this oh, episode this, to? Now, this was this was really hard for me to, to okay. do. And I might break down and cry because there's <laughs> there was this one wonderful person that I had in my life for years who um, Viviana Torrijos Trios, and she was a friend of mine and um, she just passed away of cancer on um, Thanksgiving last year really gosh yeah. I don't want okay I can't say anymore because I got tears in my eyes right now okay cancer sucks and uh, I know she had ovarian cancer and mastitized. Um, to like every organ in her body, and she was she lived in in Bogota. So the, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. it says enough right there. Third world. It was well, you know, third world is not a. It's not that's not exactly the correct nomenclature either for any country. But okay. anyways, um, yes. Yeah, so let's let's dedicate it to. Yeah. So I dedicate it to uh, yes, Viviana Torrijos. We're back on the show, and today we have Paul E. Kahneman. Kahneman. So, yes. how hard was it not to get a degree in economics? It was very difficult <laughs> because it <laughs> and, fit perfect. And people still <laughs> refer to well, if the, if 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 you can pronounce my name, it doesn't seem that difficult to no. me. No. Yeah. Right. Right. But just the other day, somebody was like Paul E. Kahneman. I'm like, okay, it's, it's a lot okay. easier to my name, my last name. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but it should, it almost sounds like an evil guy, the Economon. <laughs> well, uh, I remember being in high school, yeah. and there was a, a film called "The Night of the Iguana Men," and and then I I, I picked up the name Iguana Men, <laughs> which was we thought was pretty funny at the time. Iguana Man. Yeah. My favorite is um, when Conan Bryan said he had to go through high school. When Conan the Barbarian came out, oh. and all the bullies like, "Hey, but your name's Conan. Why don't you beat me up?" <laughs> so timing with everything. Is pretty <laughs> yes, good. right. Yes, so, yes, of course. So Paul, Paul's actually um, you were in uh, that short film, Mercenary Kingdom. Yes, I was. Yes. Actually, and I, the only um, reason I'm referencing it is because I'm going to make the, a side shoot comic of it. I did see that you had drawn a few things, and I I liked them. They were really good. No, I just I think I just saw that uh, this morning, or maybe it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was wondering if it was for that. I didn't look very closely, but I thought, oh, okay, that's very cool. Um, um, yeah, because Mercenary Kingdom is a short film. I think you can find it on YouTube. Somewhere I it's somewhere it's on there. Yes, yeah. it is. Um, I had I played the uh, the the gangster a bad guy bad guy yeah um, the king bad guy which I had a lot of fun doing it and I was just asking uh, the director uh, the other day if he had any of the the um, some of the film that I could 
you know, I could use. It was Blair. Yeah. Blair and Wesley, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and he said, oh, I don't know where that is. I'm like, what? Dude, you didn't lose it. And I think, I think another, another person has, has all the footage. So, anyways. Yeah, but it was, it's a great short film. It was fun. For how much content. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Right? Yes. And there's a lot of people from, I mean, they're all Minnesota people, but, you know, all us Minnesotan uh, up-and-comings. Yeah. yeah, I shouldn't say that. I've been doing this for 30 years. <laughs> I'm still up-and-coming. I have a little thing to share. I could share it. I, I don't know if I remember if I shared it on recording or not, but yeah. I was telling because Wesley approached me, like, I have an offshoot I want to do of Mercenary Kingdom, but just something brand new, something not anybody of the characters in that movie, but something okay. that the his character he played Blake in that that superhero mm-hmm. kind of guy mm-hmm. and I go well, you have a, have a script on it and everything I go wow. well I want to convert it to a comic book you know instead of worrying about making a movie an offshoot like a series because you want to make it like a series I think initially of certain yes things. yeah uh, yeah and yeah. then um, a web right yeah like something yeah. like that and then Wesley uh, said I want you to do a comic book first it doesn't infringe on it you can still make the movie mm-hmm. you have, it's your rights and everything and he goes yeah just get it started you know and uh, he, after a couple of weeks of me doing it, he wrote back, goes, can I change the script? I go, yeah, why? What the, it's nothing wrong with it. And he goes, no, I want to blow up a building. I, I didn't think I could. We're doing a comic book. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> we can have multiple police. Yeah, you don't have to worry about extras. <laughs> yes, and, exactly. Yeah, if you want to blow up a city, Wes, we can do that. Let's go to the moon. Yeah, Easy. let's go to the moon, right, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So he's like, I'm not so handicapped. Well, handicap's not the right term. I'm not so limited mm-hmm. on what I could do when mm-hmm. I write a comic book. So Yeah. Yeah, so we're going <laughs> to hopefully get Mercenary Kingdom. It's called City of Fire. Hopefully get it done when I'm ready for September 25th. Okay, okay. So, that's so, yeah. yeah, and, you know, that's I, I noticed that you are um, a uh, journeyman of storyboarding. Yeah. And yeah. so that is that's a beautiful way to start that. And I think, you know, I, I just have to I have to have to say this. I've been on uh a couple of shoots um recently that they the crew and these were professional shoots. Um one was for um Polaris, I think. Whatever the one of those well, this, uh, uh, snowmobiles. Wheel, no, this was four wheel driver drive. Well, they do those. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it was I was amazed that they didn't have a storyboard. So my whole point was is that here we are shooting a scene with uh, this four wheeler, and um, they had to put all these chains on there and all this uh, um, equipment yeah. to show that it it could haul all this stuff. And then they said, oh, but we forgot, you know, so they t- took like 40 minutes to put everything on there. And then they noticed that they had forgotten to take in the pre-shot. So they had to take everything off. And if they would have a storyboard, they would have been able to look at that, check it off, yeah. and go to the next thing. And I and they didn't have a storyboard. And the shoot I was on the other night didn't have a storyboard as well. And I thought, well, and they, right. yeah. It's such a visual concept. Oh, it's it's and it makes so um, much sense and because you can sit down the night before and you can go through everything and you can see every shot that you want yeah. and every angle and then you can think about it because that's the other thing uh, and say to yourself, well, wait a minute, I'm gonna need a close up here. Oh, I'm, I'm maybe I need a POV over here. Who knows? You know, over the shoulder, whatever. And 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 you'll know then because you're drawing it out. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I, um, storyboard is a little bit different from comic booking. I oh, totally, comic, totally. Well, it's yeah, the yeah, same yeah, yeah. kind of I, well, it's a, tree, yeah. but comic books, you want to work on details and not have the same sequence. Like, you want to show the story moving along, but every panel, you want to have a little bit of slight differences at each panel as a thing. Like, unlike storyboards, you want to keep it consistently framed. 
Yes, almost. yes. No, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. And, and a very slow progression, slow progression, and a yeah. very detailed progression yeah. from one thing to the next. So you may have three little uh, captions, uh, whatever, yeah. frames or whatever, that are just moving an angle or the different side of, of a particular, yeah. yeah, where you wouldn't want that in a comic book, obviously, because it would yeah. be redundant and... I don't do much detail for my storyboards because I don't want to. You don't like, need to have you total don't have detail. To, I just yeah. want the movement. Yes, where exactly. Are we going, exactly. And the idea. And the idea. And I always tell people my storyboards are just an interpret of a script. It's even a good concept of, okay, I don't want that. Well, that's a good start from something you don't want. Now you can work mm. on what you want. I don't like that one. And I did storyboards for Carl's Omar, Omar Delion for his films. And there's a lot of things I put in the storyboards that are not in his films because I think he can convey to his, well, this is what I have in the story, but I don't want this. Let's think of something else that we could have. At least you have a starting point to yeah. what you want to do visually. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now, are you guys all are you all, are all you storyboard people? <laughs> are you all connected? No, but I do know some of them because I had a, I, I got a really good friend, uh, Carlos Carlos. Um, he he moved back to Spain recently. Uh, Carlos Marino Maestre. Yeah. Do you know him? No. No. Okay. He was no. a story. He was, oh, he's story like book. you. He did car, uh, cartoons, uh, comics. Excuse me, yeah. and um, uh, cartoon drawings and that sort of thing. Uh, besides art, and he um, did storyboards. And yeah, yeah, but he's back in Spain. So I just when you, if I'm a storyboard for hire, so I usually let the director have the power. What do you want? Do you want it just a loose interpretation, like give me a script oh, and see sure. how I do it, or you want a little bit of? I've had directors come here and like I'm thinking of this movie, this movie, and this movie as I write this. So I make those little jot down to the post-it notes of maybe I'll watch that movie. <gasps> oh, get the okay. idea. Get the idea do. of sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good yeah. idea. So yeah. I had a one. Somebody mentioned I want to do this Christmas movie, but I'm thinking of Terrence Malick's. Knight of Cups, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch that to understand." Even though it's a Christmas movie, love mm-hmm. doing a Terrence Malick movie, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's good. Do you not? You do storyboards yourself? Um, I Anything? used to do uh, comics. You used to do comics. Yes, back when I was an adolescent. <laughs> so, that's no, so I, no, I don't do it. You don't do comics, and you, I, I don't draw as much as I used. to. I mean, I don't draw at all like I used to. Um, I don't know. I just what happened if I just got out of it? If I lo- lost the desire, or but I used to. I got tons of stuff lying around from you know years ago. But um, I I don't know. It's, just it's it's one of those things. You're back. It's hard to get back into something. I think. Um, I it? yeah. Or hmm. the interest to. It's the desire, right. and and I th- I don't know where I had that desire because I don't have that des- that 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 urge to sit down um, at a table or whatnot and and spend an hour two hours maybe <laughs> yes. and you know what I mean in the solitary. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, I used to well, I used to love it. Now I'm I don't know if I got if I grew into like adult ADD maybe or something, but I can't focus long enough. And um, if I'm at a meeting, then then Maybe. I can draw. <laughs> then it's calmed down. <laughs> then I'm doodling all the time. I would, and, I'll give you a little secret. When I do a comic book, I don't do pan. I don't do it how you read it. I do little panels, different areas of the page at different times. So I don't go in order of how you even read it, like up top to left. So sometimes I'll mm. have it spaced out. 
but I haven't figured out what I want to do with this one. But I really know what I want to oh. do with the the panel down the bottom. So I'll maybe start with the panel down the bottom. Oh, okay. And then you might might build into that or step away from it, draw mm -hmm. out of it, draw into it, as it were. So a lot of people think you start with a page. Well, you start. Well, where do you start with reading? Up in the top left, right? But I don't really do that. Sometimes I figure out. But ultimately, you will take each frame and put them together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to plan that out a little yeah. bit. But so. I can see how the how the artistic mind would, you know, because you might drift off and go, oh, I got an idea. And then you'd want to draw that. Yeah. And then you'd go, well, wait a minute, that doesn't really fit in with this, but maybe I could use that later. Or, or I could draw into that. You know, I could put, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's probably the best way to do it. I think my mind thinks like that's like a, like a puzzle rather than like a completed puzzle. But is it like a, a puzzle that you're searching to to complete? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So each page is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And everybody thinks, well, it's a one story, but each page is actually, a, well, I always consider it a battle almost. Like each panel's battling for its own space. <laughs> That's how I view it in my mind. Like each panel's like craving, like, no, don't forget about me. Make sure I stick out too. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> don't leave me here. So it's almost like I always think about anything creative movies, comic storyboards, comic books. <clears throat> Where it really flourishes is what it's telling you that it needs rather than you telling it. Oh, that's, and, yeah. yeah. I, I think I read that um, uh, Stephen King as a writer tends to do that with some of his stories. That he'll he'll follow the progression, what he, the outline, the idea, but each time he starts writing, he doesn't really know where it's going to go. And as things crop up and um, ideas mm -hmm. spread, uh, spring in um, then he goes in that direction and maybe he'll come back to whatever the other idea is yeah. I don't know if this makes any sense but it no, it does like, it yeah, does I yeah. think because like Michelangelo when somebody said how did you card David and he's like he was just in there I needed to get him out <laughs> 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 so I think it's almost like in that analogy for a lot of artist people that it's already almost like it's on the page already and you just almost, yeah. Like, sometimes I always tell people, sometimes when I do a comic book, I think it's already on the page. I just almost, even when I'm doing the pencil, I'm just making sure it's noticeable for everybody else. And it's almost, um, but I know when I do a creative process, I know the ending, but I don't know the exact ending. I know okay. where you want to stop. It's good to keep that open, I think. Right? right? I mean, because well, then, then it's more exciting for you. It is. And then it, that encourages you to, to be more creative and to. I mean, because if you have, at least that's how my mind would work, would be if I, if I know what the deadline is, then where's the fun? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Well, the, well, what stress is so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you get into acting? Oh, that's a story. Boy, I'll tell you. So I was um, an adolescent uh, social worker, counselor, uh, slash therapist for 20 years. And um, back in the 90s, I thought, hey, man, I want to be an actor. And I had had, I had no experience. Um, didn't do it in high school. It was, it, wasn't, uh, it was frowned upon in my high school. We were, sports was what we did. Uh, yeah. And college, I didn't do it in college. I did take, well, I have to say, I took an elective uh, acting class, which was basically we, we rolled around on the floor and acted like, like be a tree. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> is that acting? I don't know. <laughs> but I, It's something. It's something. <laughs> right. uh, but somewhere, somewhere, and I, I, I've tried to remember how or where I got the idea 
that I should do this because I had no nothing, no reference and no, no friends that were doing it. Nobody that I, and I wasn't like I didn't have any real Hollywood idols or, you know, anything like that. Um, but um, my sister was a photographer and she worked for the Walker and she still works for the Walker. Oh, really? Yeah. The Walker Arts Center. The Walker Arts, yeah, she's yeah. been there for 30 years at least. I don't oh. maybe 40. Oh, my gosh. Well, meanwhile, while people are getting laid off, she's still, she's like the core of of, yeah. of, of all the art that comes in and out, photographs it. And my I, I my favorite time there is going and seeing the top British commercials of the year. Oh, yeah. Isn't that fun? <laughs> I, I love, yeah. Okay. Nobody does commercials better than the British. People. No, they don't. Yeah. So you're, you're oh, okay. Your sister still works photography there. That's fascinating. Well, she does cataloging. I think that's basically, you know, it's hard. To, her job continues to grow as they let people go, and especially during the, the COVID uh, 2020. You know, there was, you know, people were kind of being let go because, you know, the place was closed. So, you know, right. but her job got larger. Um, she's in the bowels. And I shouldn't say the bowels. So the, she's in the in the the basement of, of the of the institute of the art yeah. institute and works down there so anyway so she was a photographer um and and i th- i had this idea that you know, i knew i needed to get a headshot and so I right had, that's one yeah, right, yeah. okay <laughs> back to that at least you do that right? <laughs> i knew that uh, that's all and that's all i knew <laughs> You know, I, I needed to get headshots, so she took these head, and, and I'm telling you, these headshots are just hilarious. When I look at them now, I had just gotten back from Hawaii with a buddy of mine, okay. and my hair was like, I had hair then. <laughs> it was down to my shoulders. This I, it was like Mike, Michael Bolton hair. You remember Michael Bolton? Right, but yeah. it was like Patrick Swayze point. Yes, point. totally, right? <laughs> yeah, and it was blonde. It was so blonde, and yeah. I had a mustache. I mean, you would have been perfect for a point break, man. <laughs> I think you had a Freudian slip there. Did you say porn? Point. Point break. <laughs> point break. I have to, I'm mixing up because for my YouTube channel, Kyle Nick on Film, we just reviewed Lee Marvin point blank. Oh, so I have okay. To... Got it. Yeah, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> that's a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I saw, and then, and then, back then we had the 550s. I don't know if you're old enough to remember the 550s, one ads in the Star and Tribune. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. where all the, that's where all the castings were were placed right yes yes because yeah. we didn't have internet so you looked in the you looked in the 550s every sunday that's oh there's a you know there's a casting for you know whatever um um so and, and then i i figured out somehow i figured out where the agencies were etc now i needed a resume so what i did is i lied and i made up this whole resume um, saying that I had done theater at Rarig at the UFM, which I had done nothing. And I had maybe even only read a portion of the play that I had written in there. I'm sorry, don't do this today. Don't lie. It's not good. Anyways, and so my first audition was for The Incredible Edible Egg, and I booked it. And so the rest is history. So then they don't care. As long as you're booking, they don't care what you got on your resume. Now, and- after, after you get into the... Right, if you get your first one. Yeah, if you get your first one, and yeah. and and literally, it was like my first audition, and so um, uh, from then on, I I I got to know the uh, the agencies. So this is the thing that you need. I mean, back then you could I, I would bring them flowers and coffee, and you know. Hey, keep it fair, man. Yeah. Yeah. Keep right. It, I yeah. mean, I was schmooze. I mean, that's a schmoozing game. Job. Yeah. Yeah. Keep your job. And then, so this yeah. is like mid nineties. 94. 94. 93, 94. Yeah. Um, right when you're rocking out to grunge music. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that yeah. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I was still in high school having a good time. There you go. Yeah, I I I'm trying to remember when um Kurt Cobain died cuz I remember I I was working, I was still working with the adolescents. And and of course, you know, they they were like he did not die. He he lives on. He's yeah. Um well, I was still in high school too. Yeah. Uh, gosh, okay, I got the side track. Oh, so anyways, and so by by working uh on on film, um you'd get to know, you know, a- other actors and then yeah. everybody was like you got to do theater and I was terrified of theater. Theater was like no Yeah, way. there's no there's no tree to hide behind or No, yeah. there's nothing. Camera was nothing. Camera I, I love the camera. That's great. You know, yeah. I don't care. I'm not afraid of the camera. It's a big deal. Cut. We'll do it again. Um mm. but theater was and so I, I, I succumbed to it, and um, I think when my my first show was at the, the the Como Park Players, and I did a show called Picnic, and I was I had one line I was the delivery man and I said delivery and I said it off set, and I had to walk on stage. I was so terrified to, to that I was gonna miss my cue i mean i'd sit down there and just worry yeah, yeah. just for one line yeah. you know what i mean yeah. but exactly two shows later i was i was the lead and and at that at you had that. a massive jump yeah so yeah. and then um i went to uh, uh theater in the round and yeah. i ended up doing uh tony and tina's wedding at uh, hay city stage oh that's fun yeah that was famous that was here in minnesota tony's and tina's that was like you audience participation a little bit it was it was like back then that was one of the things it was all kind of a progression you know like in minnesota everybody who's who's an actor will eventually do a best buy commercial now that's not so much anymore because they don't shoot them here um as far as i know um but you know eventually event theater in the round or or nothing yeah theater in the round is another step that you you have to do a show theater in the round. And eventually you'll be in Tony and Tina's wedding because this was an ongoing show back then. Yep. It's not anymore. Um, so yes, yeah, so it was a uh, this kind of progression in, in 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 your acting career here in Minnesota, and then and then you take the step to L.A., which is what I did. And unfortunately, at that point, I had I had um, garnered, I guess, my my Screen Actor Guild. Um, I had joined the union, and I moved to L.A. And then the union went on strike. And so I was Perfect there. timing. Yeah. It's all about timing, and, yeah. and yeah, right. It's all about timing. So I was there for a year waiting tables, which you know that's an experience in itself. <laughs> I would say just go. I always, you know, I've been to L.A. too, and I've I've been around this and just walk up and down Sunset. I love it's, L.A. Yeah, and it's, some people don't like it, but it's it's. it's a weird experience because you'll see somebody who's really filthy rich walking oh, yeah. down the street with like the top tailored Italian suit on on the phone talking making deals and then right next to him is the most homeless person in the world it's just a wide spectrum of just everything we I lived in West Hollywood and every block had their own personal homeless guy um, but everybody you know helped out uh, would give money to and food and whatnot, and they lived on your block. Now this is California, so you, you know you can yeah. you can pretty much live outside. No, because it's not going to rain very much, and if it did, <laughs> it's not going to snow for sure. Yeah, and then it, as cold as it gets in the in the in the winter, which is it might get down to the fifties. You know, I mean, if it's forty something, that's rare. You know, 
so you yeah. can, yeah, it, it's not good. I mean, you want to help. You don't want people, anybody to be homeless. That's not, that's not good. But every block had like their own personal homeless guy. And ours looked like Moses. He had this, <laughs> this big white beard and long white hair and, and, a, and he wore a, a, a... He did kind of look like Charlton Heston. Huh? Yes, he did. And, and a white robe that was always clean. He always had a, a just immaculately clean robe. Is he washing in the ocean? Probably? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure somebody was doing his laundry. Um, so, yes, yeah, so you can see that. You'll have a very wealthy person walking down the street in a Gucci, Armani, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know... Somebody else just you know sleeping on the bus stop. And that was my that was my experience because I was I moved into the Griffin Observatory where a lot of movies are shot. Oh, sure. up there you know the Griffin. So yeah. if you look at there's a lot of movies that always been especially if a movie's made in the 1940s or takes place in the 1940s they'll film it up there right. Well you got to get the Hollywood sign. You got to get the Hollywood sign and all that. And yeah. Then, yeah and I walk Venice Beach which is that's an experience too. Mm-hmm. Oh I think I got a contact high from that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, what year was this? Uh, it was maybe more than 10 years ago okay was where were um was medical marijuana legal then yeah you had I to come in remember. and it was one of those they had little shops where yes like, if yes you want, because if you got of, chronic something yes. i think the sign was you have chronic something come on in doesn't matter they'll prescribe it for you yes <laughs> you have chronic it was like question mark something anything come on in hang now yeah if you have a hang now right yes <laughs> yes so that was the experience i told my wife i feel out of place because i can't skateboard and i can't bench press over 400 so <laughs> I feel out of place around here <laughs> but i think that's whole part of the LA experience i think everybody kind of gets a sense they're almost out of place you have to be almost you almost have to be you have to be out of place to be in place yeah because every everybody there is a transplant i mean you know you think you have to be uncommon to, exactly right i mean everybody is there's there's a new a busload, a new plane load of people every week that are going to make it and be famous in Hollywood arriving. And there's another one leaving. And that's, it's this, this cyclical cycle of, of, you know, come and go. Uh, great burger place, by the way, come and go burgers. But, um, but it was like Thomas James said, well, how did you, how did you, did you make it with all the, your friends didn't? He's like, I stayed. Yeah, you know, that's they, it. They, after yeah. five years, they found why got married and had wives. I just I stayed. <laughs> that is a very good point. Be, yeah. um, I, who uh, Amy Amy Adams, right? Yeah, she um, she was you know basically discovered by Brindisi from uh, Chanhassen Theater, but she was you know she was on the map here in Minnesota when I was here when I started. I think she started just being somebody you read lines to for auditions. Well, right. she 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 got the part for um, oh I can't I don't remember the name in the film Junebug. No, it was Gorgeous Girls or uh, something. Beautiful Girls. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know if it was that one. Um, and there was other people that were in it uh, that went on to become more famous. I you know the one that filmed in Minnesota. Minnesota right? filmed in Minnesota because she was, she got the audition here. Um, and she booked it here through a, a casting director here in Minnesota, and, and then she met um, oh, what's what's the girl's name from uh, Cheers, the later Cheers, Kirsty, Kirsty Alley, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and she encouraged her to to go to L.A. Long story short, she went to L.A. You know, struggled for a while, a few few years, and then ended up getting cast in a lot of David O. Russell films, which you know put her on the map and bada dum. Yeah, if you um, if you buy the Dark Knight. Um, extras like the DVD package and all that stuff. 
and you see the demo tapes they made for like Christopher Nolan um, put Christian Bale in pretty much the old Batman suits and they had like a demo reel but the person reading lines to oh is that it's Amy Adams oh really yes and what year was that um, so that'd be like 2007 but she's still oh, okay she's movies. already famous then yeah she's already made movies and stuff but they just oh she was good friends with him that's why because she had done she had done Silver Lining Playbook and her and Christian Bale are the Hollywood golden couple well Bradley Cooper was in so, yes so as yeah. um you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm, I'm thinking of American Hustle. Yeah. That, that's that, was, where, that was after. That was after because Nolan saw them work together. Yes, like, wow. but but her Somebody and, but her and, uh, her and, and Christian Bale are, the Holly, are considered the Hollywood golden couple that are not together, that have never <laughs> been together, but they've done a lot of films together because they're in The yeah. Fighter as well, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, and they're such, they work so well off each other. And I, I have to admit, I wasn't a big Amy Adams fan until I saw The right. Silver Lining Playbook and, and, and American Hustle. With, with, and Christian Bale is so fantastic in the American Hustle. Yeah, Hustle. he just, he's, I mean, he gets a short change about somebody just gains weight and that, but he does really good. Oh, he does fantastic. He, he's a character, but this is the thing. He's he he puts himself into this character, and he is this character, like like in the fighter. I mean, in the fighter, you know, he's that crazy brother, and he's so nuts, and he's so hyper, and he's you know because he's a he's a meth addict or he's a crack addict, I think, in, in that film. Yep. And um, but you buy into it. Oh, totally. Yeah. And that's the is it method acting? Yes. I mean, you know, you get so into the character that you. You continue to live it and be it, and you pick up these little mannerisms. No, he did, um, I would say, because I used to work in a factory for 10 years. And when he did Out of the Furnace and when he did The Machinist, Machinist is a little more psychological, but he does very much like the blue-collar guy. He got the mannerisms on. I was like, this is perfect. He did the walk and everything. Because mm-hmm. when you work in a factory, you can't you, <laughs> you can't run to work. So it's running to work is almost around around people like you know what a your kiss ass. Oh, if really? You're racing okay. to work, to punch in the clock. Right? Uh, yeah. But if you walk too slow, then it's almost like you don't want to be there. There's a certain rhythm to everything. <laughs> so you got to play it, right? You got to yeah. play it. And, and he and he per, he perfect. Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also you can. And I learned about being a uh, work and maintenance in a factory. Never have a clean uniform on. Ah. Have a little bit dirty because if you have a clean uniform on, you haven't been doing it. The management will come down to you thinking, "What are you doing wrong? You're slacking off." Have a clean yeah, uniform. Yeah, makes sense. So, and always have something in your hand. If you work in a factory, have a- even in your hallway, have something in hand. Not just a cup of coffee. Have a tool, a clipboard, <laughs> or something. It's all about perception, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I haven't done anything all day, but <laughs> I got I'm Beamer of the Month. But inside, always have a right pace inside. Don't walk too slow inside, right? There's all yeah. these little things yeah. and tricks that he figured out when he even showing that in the movie that I liked. Yeah. And so, and and there you go. And here he's he's from England, right? He's an English Welsh. actor. Welsh. Well, there you go. Welsh. He's Welsh, and he's yeah, he can hide it right? pretty good. That, that um, accent. Gary Oldman's another one that does yeah. you know. Has an English accent, had Welsh, or I don't know what, where he's from. He's probably from England, right? He does. Um, we were we talked about him on the YouTube channel. Romeo is bleeding. Okay, yeah, which yeah. Is a, yeah. Uh, if, if you remember from the early early nineties, yeah, no, around I remember, yeah, yeah. And that was the kind of the start of what I called sleek suit noirs. Ah, really, yes. Tarantino expanded it, yeah. but you had to wear a nice sleek suit, and you're mm-hmm. really gaudy, really awful people. And Romeo bleeding is one of those things. It's it's not a great movie. 
but it's so fun to watch, and it's so it's Gary Oldman, like ninety percent of the movie is Gary Oldman. And I was think, and I was referring to, I was going to refer to the True Romance, which is another Tarantino written film, yeah. and and Gary Oldman plays, you know, he's an English guy playing uh, a black guy, playing a white guy, playing a pimp. He doesn't know what he is, he's, and but he does it so well, and it's just it's amazing. He just doesn't ama- that whole film is is written so well. He actually was shooting that movie as he was completing Romeo. There beating. you go. So what a guy. <laughs> but then again, I I hated him in in the in the Batman films. You didn't like that that his Gordon. character. No, I wasn't he the um, Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, I. I, I nope. You didn't like that. Well, he works well with others. <laughs> That's a plus. <laughs> That's a plus. <laughs> so, are you comfortable watching yourself? Uh, I, I, you know, <laughs> that's interesting. I, uh, oh, that I don't even want to comment on that because I, whenever I hear this, I don't know. Maybe maybe all actors are like this, but whenever I'm wrapped with a film or a commercial or anything, yeah, I, I always think of the things that I should have done. The things that would have been better if I would have done it this way, or why did I do it that way? And then when I watch myself, um, if it's not unless it's commercial, you know, I don't mind that so much because commercials are so quick and. Um, but I'm I I don't like to I don't like to see myself on screen. I don't. People are people ask me, you know, you're an actor. Are you always looking at, looking in the mirror at yourself? I'm like, no. I never look at myself. <laughs> I don't want to look at myself. You know, I don't want to see myself on screen. And I and I think. I think everything that I've done could be way better than it is, and I, I'm, you know, I think, you know, maybe, maybe you get the, uh, you get a little bit of that with your art, you know, you're just more critical of, of the things that you do because you, right. you, in, in your mind, you expect more. I don't know, or you maybe that's it, the idea. I always say, if it, it never translates 100 percent, what's in your mind? Exactly, you never will. And so you're, yeah. so you're, and because that's your mind, and that's what you're looking for, it, it's, it's, it, it's. I don't want to say unsatisfying, but it, it, it doesn't come out to be, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. Marty, Marty Scorsese said it. It's not always in this. It's not all, all in the script. You have to figure it out as you go as well. And you yeah. want to you want to you want to bring that bring that out and, and you want it to be. Um, so here's another thing, too, now is that. Also, I mean, I think films are created by the actor, um, but they're also by the writer. I mean, you can tell a poorly written film with good actors. You're like, what? Uh, and Romeo or- bleeding. <laughs> it's, it's a bad script, but everybody in there is wonderful. Well, see, that helps. The acting can help that. But if the writing is really bad, now if you got a really great actors and bad writing, maybe you can be successful with that. Yeah. If you got mediocre actors with bad writing, it's going to be a flop. But also the editing, you need an editor that can that right. knows what they're doing. Yeah. And, and well, can... Marty has Thelma Shoemaker, and he's been she's been editing his films. So yeah. And the director. Yeah. So everybody gives accolades to Marty because says these wonderful films, but Thelma's been editing his films for many years. There you and go. Her famous line is. Uh, during interview is you know Marty gets credit for his films being very violent but they aren't until I start working on them <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I think it's a wonderful like Spielberg had a great editor he was working with but she passed away that she, he used for Raiders Lost Ark and Jaws and a lot of his movies now go after he gets new editors they kind of drift a little bit longer oh, than they should oh. like Lincoln I thought was should yeah, be yeah. re-edited mm-hmm. I think 
Ready Player One. You, I think you start with the race first, like he always, which is a, when I watch Ready Player One, that's such a Spielberg thing of just start with the race. Just start with the race, show all the things that we wanted to, and that's Spielberg, and then settle down and get the story out. So do the master first. Yeah, and he didn't do that. He started with the journey of the boy, plug it in, and mm. get no, all that. I, I did not. I have to admit, I did not see that. I was um, going to read the book, but it's not my genre. It's not my genre. Man. But I think what I'm trying to establish is great directors still need good need, act. Oh, well, really of course. Oh, editors. totally. Yes, yeah. yes. You could be a fantastic director. I mean, you could be the top director, and if you got a a very uh, unsatisfying. Uh, editor, editor yeah. I mean, uh, you know, incompetent somebody, editor, that's what I'm looking for, then you're going to be screwed. Right. You know, I mean, wait a minute, because you have to know the story and you got to, I think the editor should be at the shoot the whole time. I mean, that that would be the ultimate, I would think. Um, yeah, the next time I make a movie, I would like the editor to be on set. Yes, and, yeah. and, and if, if, if you're on a, if you've got a bigger budget and you have the ability, they're editing as you're shooting. They're they're going through the material that you've just shot and saying, oh wait, that's oh well, there's a pop can that you can't use. Okay, whatever this guy. Oh, he he stopped, he screwed up his lines. Yeah, whatever. You, you're cutting that stuff out of there, out of the way, out of the way, out of the way, so that when you get down to the 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 major editing, which you would hopefully you would want to do it, Nick, yeah. with the with the with the editor, right? You sit down and you go together. You 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 get rid of all the the extraneously garbagey bad stuff and you is that a sentence and uh, <laughs> and i was gonna interrupt you <laughs> and 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 you can it'll go faster and and you'll keep your interest because that's another thing about editing is that it can be so arduous because if you got a lot of takes and you have to go through every single one and you should and i've edited stuff with with editors and and we're you know you kind of like oh geez you know and you don't even focus after a while um, as as much. No, and after I think, even if you're directing a movie, you have to think of how you're going to edit it as well. Yes, yes, you have to be consciously and aware as it's as the film's going. being shot. Yeah, yeah. Because yep. um, being a director, I mean, you have to think. You have to. It's like juggling and playing the drums at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. You just have to keep that balance. Well, there's a lot yeah. of other things. Yeah. A lot of other things. Right? Yeah. I mean, because you're constantly thinking, okay, where is this going? Is this going to fit into that? And then you might even have an idea. And I've seen this before where you're like, you go off the storyboard because you're on set and you think, oh, this would be great if we added this. Right. And then, I always, well, I always say, where you, are you winning? You, you bottom right. slate. Right. Come on, you know, and let's do it. Yeah. I always say, yeah. where are we winning? Like, if you really have something talented something that they really can show let's put it on film which you know if you're really a good dancer i'm gonna to try to find some way to get you to dance on my film i want to show oh, off your talents that, a little bit that's, right that's if you're really good at something i want to kind of show it i mean how hard was it for tarantino to tell travolta we're gonna have a dance scene in the movie here oh pulp fiction <laughs> <laughs> yeah right there, there's a great one was that was that added at the end or during, I mean, or was that the original? Was it in the original script? I put, it, oh, yeah, I think they'll get John Travolta back in the movie. He was like, I want you to dance, bring back, show you how he could still dance, I think so, right? Yeah. And get a little, had to. Hands yeah, you had too. to. Yeah. You're right. I mean, you really had to because, yeah, because that was his, his, his known, you know. Right. Yeah. There's a great, 
a little snippet now before we go to break. And I was just watched the, the movie Body Heat from 1980, Kathleen Turner and <laughs> oh William Hurt. But I, the, the story's on the war and all that stuff. But what I was going to say is there's a little snippet of Ted dancing, Ted dancing, dancing on on the deck, waiting for William Hurt. He's just gracefully dancing. And it's an overhead shot. It's a little bit of up high, so you look mm-hmm. down at him. And he's just dancing. And the camera doesn't move. He's just dancing with the spotlight on him. If you just show that outside of the movie, it doesn't really work. But, hey, you can dance. I will show it. You know, if you're waiting for somebody and you're a good dancer, what would you do? What would you do? Yeah, dance? exactly. And yeah. that's my analogy. If, some, if you're really good at something, we'll try to find it in the movie. So it, body heat is underwater and everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's a salty, steamy noir. But here in this little couple seconds is Ted dancing, dancing by himself on a spotlight on him in the movie. Beautiful. Want to show you what? Show your talents. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a dancer? I can dance. Okay. I, I used to think I was a great dancer. I mean, I, I think uh, that alcohol had a lot to do with that, <laughs> you know, in my younger younger uh, uh, days. Uh, yeah. I, I, I did a show. I did do a show where I had to dance uh, for a year. It was uh, called Johnny Sent Me. And it was at the, um, uh, the Lumber Exchange building right on Hennepin and 4th. In downtown, uh, downtown Minneapolis, yeah. Downtown Minneapolis. Um, I think I don't think Tony and Tina's had come back yet when we started. I know that it had reopened because they had it originally in 94, 95, and then it left. And anyways, this was 1999, and long story short, so I had to, to go into the crowd and get people out and dance with them. That's kind of fun, though. Oh, you know what? The best acting school at all period i mean if you want to grow as an actor do improv be on be in a show where you have to where you're being watched where you have to do improv there is nothing better than that for acting i learned more from that experience because then the shows that i did after that theater or filming you know that at any moment something's going to go wrong or something's going to happen you got to be able to improvise and if you got that ability to do that, then there's nothing to worry about. And you'll never be afraid ever again in front of the camera, in front of a stage, ever, because you, you've got control of the situation and it doesn't matter. And that's what I learned from doing improv. And that's how I ended up in Tony and Tina's wedding. Um, you know, just and that was another experience where, you know, you, you, all, go. yeah, all you had to, I mean, my, my part was I played Michael Just in that film, in that show, which was Tony's ex boyfriend. So basically, my part, was just to go around and harass people. <laughs> That's all I did, and try to sell them uh, marijuana. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I I would sit outside because there was a little patio out front. Okay. Um, at the Hay City stage, and I would say, Hey, you want to buy a joint? Come on, man. You know, it's really good weed. You know, to people, to to patrons, right? Yeah. And they and. and, and Nobody ever wanted. You know what's interesting? Nobody ever wanted to buy a joint for me. <laughs> but, you, you bet it's zero. <laughs> but there was a, a off-duty cop that <gasps> was that went to the show and and went in went into the show then and called the police, saying there was a guy harassing the patrons trying to sell weed. And so there I am at the show. The cops show up and they tried to arrest me. They like pulled me out. <laughs> they got me against the wall, and they're like, "Dude, you're you know you're trying to sell marijuana. These people are trying to act. They're trying to do a show." I'm like, <laughs> "I'm in the- I, I, I was I was not supposed to break character. This was the thing with you were never supposed to break character. That yeah. was for that was no. 
no, you know, so I, yeah. so the first five minutes while they're frisking me and I'm against the wall, I'm like, get out of here, come on, you know, <laughs> and then I finally, I had to get the, the stage manager to tell them that I was in the show, and they couldn't believe it, they were like, what, get out of here, they felt embarrassed, and it was just hilarious, but so. I wish I was at that show. <laughs> but what? it seemed like you had an authentic experience. I did, yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was grueling. It was a, it really was a, wasn't much of a of of of, of acting. Um, it's, it was most mostly improv. So again, I yeah. I think that imp, improv is is the best acting uh, teaching tool that, that any actor can have. Now it's not going to give you the the vocal uh, projection for Shakespeare or the ability to you know block or do anything like that. But it gets rid of all the fear. That, that can really uh, be a patina, uh, a covering of, of, of your performance because right. you're, in your, you're in your head thinking, oh, man, what happens? I remember doing a show, my, one of my first shows that I did uh, back in the day after I, you know, I, I finally, I, I guess I, we, we kind of digress from, from my, my story, but I eventually ended up um, loving theater and auditioning for show after show after show and I would be doing a show rehearsing a show and auditioning for shows and that was kind of like the you know this this progression yeah. and um, I remember doing a show um, it was for Burnsville Burnsville Players or something like that you know you do whatever you went anywhere to, to, to get yes. into a show and, and, the, and they had cast I did five musicals I did not sing in one <laughs> No background, nothing. I did all the parts that didn't have singing. So that tells you about my singing voice. Um, and so there's this, I did South Pacific. The, the guy that I was uh, playing against uh, that was in most of my scenes could never remember his lines. Oh, no. Never. So, how, well, I know. I, I mean, literally. And so I would be terrified before. This was in the early, this was in the mid-90s now. So, so it was before I did any improv. And I remember being, oh, my God, I was so scared that he's not going to remember his lines. And I'm going to get up there, and it would happen every single time. And he would just be like a deer in headlights, you know. And, and oh, and you'd be like, oh, crap, you know. And so basically you'd make stuff up or you'd stammer or you'd, you know, I know that we must have had Something. some bad scenes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think eventually maybe by the last show I had memorized his whole part and I would just say his lines and try to work them into my own and then try to get out of the scene. But um, It's that freeze mechanism where but I'm, I'm sure he'd know the lines, but it's not, okay, time to go at bat. And you're like, uh, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, but if I if I would have had the confidence back then, I, mean, I was new. I didn't know anything, right? So, but if I would have had that confidence mm -hmm. later, I mean, put myself, you know, five years later, and um, put me in that show, and I would have loved it. Go ahead, I don't care. I need more lines for me. You know what I mean? If you right. you can't remember your lines, well, I'll do them. Right. You yes, know? <laughs> I love that. Which is um, before we get to break. Oh. Adam West and William Shatner were the fantastic about it because they realize the longer you talk, the more, the more time. time you get on screen. So even Robin had to talk really fast because <laughs> Adam blinded. would take his time talking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a small break and back more with Paul. Hi, everybody. This is Nick, and I want to talk to you about a film that I'm really excited about looking forward to. It's about superheroes. It already has a GoFundMe campaign started. It's from filmmaker Zach A. Crotty. 
It's a new superhero film about a civil rivalry like no other. Abrina is a reporter who investigates stories of powered individuals and wishes to connect with her sister, Jill. Jill is a literal cold heart genius criminal mastermind who has other plans in mind. Their reunion will cause more harm than good in this two-part story called Frost, premiering this spring, 2022. Filming begins in October, but you can help make this film a reality by donating to its GoFundMe campaign. We'll have the link down below. In doing so, you should receive one or more rewards, including your name listing on the film credits. People, you got to get on to it. I love superhero films. I love civil rivalries. I'm looking forward to this film. Check out the GoFundMe campaign for the film Frost. When we came back into Rome, I got a message from one of my sales girls here in the office saying, oh, Sal, we need to talk to you. Yeah, at that point in time, I had no idea what was in store. Oh, shit. I think there's an issue. The entire amount has been pulled out of our accounts. This is Fool Me Twice. This is a podcast about diamonds. My mum and I were approached by a woman in Hong Kong who owns a diamond business and had a pretty compelling story to tell. This podcast follows that story and attempts to unravel some of the shadier aspects of the diamond industry as a whole. The feedback from him was that she is a very smart woman. She is conniving and very good at getting away with these sort of things. Diamonds are the ultimate status symbol. Trust is such a centerpiece of human society. You can find Fool Me Twice, all about diamonds, on Ozcast Network and all podcast platforms. <laughs> All right, I gotta. We're gonna. We're back with Paul. And Paul, I just told him off uh, prep that I used to be a referee for twenty years, but you played a referee for commercial. I did a commercial with uh, Dante Culpepper for, um, I think, it was Sprint. It was Sprint phones? It was one of the phones, you know. And he was an ex. He's an ex Viking, Minnesota Viking, ex Minnesota Viking quarterback, uh, first round pick. I think uh, he was our quarterback for at least five years until he. I think he got a had a Achilles problem. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this was. Um, yeah. This was. Um, oh my gosh! Late nineties? No, no. This would have been like two thousands, maybe two thousand one, two thousand two. Yeah. And um, this involves Ocho Cinco, if you remember him. He was a receiver for the Bengals, I believe, at the time. I think his name is Chad Johnson. Chad Johnson, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was a commercial that you played a referee. It was a commercial. It was a big. I mean, we shot it at the at the at the dome. Yeah, the Metro, the Metro Dome. Metro dome. Okay. So they rented the dome for three days. So we shot there for three days. So I don't know what what it cost to rent the dome, but you know, it's got to be something. And um, <laughs> and I played a, a referee. And it's a, this is a fun story because there's a lot of little things that happened in this story. Um, one, I was SAG, so I um, it was a good gig, got well paid, um, was going to make, was going to have good residuals, et cetera, et cetera. But the little sidebar here is that um, the stands were filled with extra non-union workers. And um, the interesting thing about this was that the non-union people had their own craft service table. 
And then the SAG people had their craft service table. Now our table was loaded with stuff. I mean, we had it, it yeah. was it was overflowing. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And the non-union people only <laughs> had like peanuts, maybe M and M's. And so you'd see them hovering, trying to get to our table. But we actually had a guard that would guarding te- your guarding food. our food. <laughs> I'd never seen the. I'd never seen it. To that extent, you know, um, the, the the dichotomy between the the union and the non-union. Anyways, and so I played a, a referee. Where'd you at, get the costume? Costume. Oh, they they just hand it, give it to you. They okay. they fit us. You know, we had costume fitting. How'd you we, look in a clown suit? We called it when I used to be a referee. We called it the clown suit. I looked like you would expect. <laughs> I I thought I looked pretty good actually. <laughs> a lot of times it's all about appearances. It is. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not really a ref, so there you go. No, yeah. And so they had a, um, they had a, um, Dante Culpepper was the star of the, of the of this shoot, and they had hired a, um, a, a non-professional football team to play the uh, the other players. Got it. So they didn't have to pay them as much as they play, they paid Dante because I'm sure they gave him a million bucks or, or whatever something right. like that. So we had the full team on the on the field and they're playing a game. And anyways, the the commercial was basically um, Dante gets to the goal line. Um, he has the ball he gets tackled right at at the goal line he pulls out his phone from sprint he takes a photo and says and sends it to his coach because you could this is the phone cell phones were just coming out and the The, the idea that you could take a picture take a picture yes and and then send it to the coach to see if he was over the line right uh, they shot at three days, and then we shot at a um, a Sprint store. I don't know if it was Sprint or Verizon, whatever. And um, for a couple of days, it was a great gig. You know what I mean? This was a I'm great here, gig. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to get back to uh, to uh, Ocho Cinco, um, Chad Johnson, uh, he had um, now this was during the football season. It must have been during the football season. He had a, stuffed a phone down his sock during a real game doing a real game and then pulled it out and was after making a touchdown was on the phone and then chatting on the phone so then the nfl um banded phones from the the playing field right so they that. had to scratch this entire commercial so it never made it to play because <laughs> if you air the commercial it's almost like you're 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 enabling and almost encouraging even though the nfl is like no we don't we don't do yes i think the nfl put the kibosh on it i'm sure they did and yeah. so here you know three days of rental of the dome uh you know two more other days of shooting and then you know dante and all these yeah. millions of dollars of course it's nothing to sprint you know it's no big deal but it was huge to us because then hey, we, we want to be on tv yeah we didn't get any residuals from it yeah. um yeah because it's all about timing yeah, timing and everything. If you didn't know, previous guest and she um, guest of the show, Julie Conan. She used to work for NFL Films when she lived in L.A. Okay. She craft, she edited them and everything. Oh, nice. So, so um, she was, and then it was kind of a this kind of a little side note. But when she came into my house, she's like, "Your TV adjustments and knobs are all wrong." <laughs> Did she adjust them for you? <laughs> yeah, she's like, "The tint needs to be here and everything." And, uh, the, oh, good. Did she come to my house? <laughs> I like, I've been that. watching TV wrong for all this time. <laughs> you didn't know it. <laughs> did, did you Did you notice yeah. the difference? And did you go? Ah. I did. Right. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Never use the standards here. I'll show you how it'd be better. So to make sure that I just want to advertise that she really knows her camera. Oh, so okay. her movie. Uh, I think one of her short films is at the Duluth Superior Film Festival. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm Julie Coney. I work for NFL Films. Yeah. And and this isn't the catalyst. Um, 
Film Festival. That's no, where... that's different. But they're yeah, they're based in yeah, Duluth. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I would uh, when I was refereeing, um, I would just a little note, but I would have a whistle that would actually go behind my belt. In, our, sure. in the industry, we call it the dick tickler. Oh, Jesus. Loves us. Sorry. <laughs> but the reason why we have such a long cord is to make you hesitant to blow your whistle, to make it actually a journey to <laughs> no like. Pun well, no because, pun intended. No pun intended. No pun intended. But actually, do because it's so long, you like take time to grab it and blow your whistle, and then everything stops. So there's a way of slowing it, the game down for so, us. Okay, yeah. but you, you didn't, you wouldn't adjust it because I know no. that me personally, I would have, I would have adjusted that whistle so it was easier <laughs> to grab. I don't care what anybody says. Well, here's a little, <laughs> uh, here's a little thing. I never blew my whistle on every play because it's screw, it'll screw you up if you want to, uh, the mechanics. And now basketball, of course, you have to do it. That's mm-hmm. part of the mechanics. Stop. What the yep. heck? Why yep. are we stopping? But football. Whistles only announcing to everybody that wasn't participating in the act. The game, the play is over. If you blow the whistle before the play is over, then you're in trouble. So yes, I of would course, wait. yeah, right, because that's the end of the play. Then, the, uh, yeah, and I've screwed that up many times too. I've it's called inadvertent whistle, where the play's going and you blow the whistle, and they're like, "Oops, uh, <laughs> sorry." That's I fault. didn't mean that. Continue. So that's why I got the extension to when I screwed got up it. so many oh, times. Sure, like, sure. I am not going to blow the whistle until we're I guess you live and learn, right? Yeah, that learn. would be, yeah, that's that's uh, um, yeah, that's a good filter <laughs> for you for blowing that whistle. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> with commercials, stage acting, film acting, is there any part of it that you want to continue on? There's something else, a new journey that you want to do with acting? Oh, I don't know. I I think I've done it all. I mean, I, I just want to continue on. I love doing it. I mean, this is, I, I'm retired from my um, from my counseling, um, <clears throat> and this is what I do. This is all I do now. So, I love doing it. I mean, you know, who said, you know, find a job that you love doing and you never you'll never work a day in your life, yeah. and that's what you know. I I'm working a lot now. I mean, this. Of course, COVID was, you know, I think I did one film. Except, right. Yeah. And I don't do as many commercials anymore. Um, uh, I, you know, whatever. And I do, yeah, I used to do a ton of print. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I've, I've had like five or six billboards. Yeah. It's, it's a blast to see yourself on the highway, by the way. <laughs> Go wild, like it. <laughs> but um, uh, I've done a lot of little independent films this year, which is, and I just I just shot a music video as well. I, I've done quite a few music videos it's just a, so much fun it's it's so much fun to be on set it's and to see everybody because you know everybody you know so it's like a reunion of sorts right yeah i used to i used I to get love tra- a- i used to be on set too and you get trapped like hey yeah exactly and then, and then, and then also the director's like uh we gotta work oh yeah. dang it okay <laughs> same with auditioning yeah you know, you get to an audition, and there's people that you haven't seen maybe for a couple of years or a couple of weeks, or, you know, maybe yesterday. But you know, it's like, ah, oh, dude, what's up? What's going on? It's like a you know, reunion. And if you're anything, if you're like me, which is you know, you're kind of loud and gregarious, and mm-hmm. you know, everybody's your buddy, and it's just so much fun. It is, yeah. I, and so I, I used to just in the beginning, I hated auditioning because I was terrified of it. And somewhere around probably the improv days, I learned that no, auditioning 
Canyon is a blast. It's yeah. you know, and 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 once I got that in my head, then it was like, oh my goodness. Because I used to walk into an audition and keep to myself and not look at anybody because I didn't want to. I didn't yeah. want to lose my mojo. You know what I mean? If I look at somebody else, oh, I'm gonna look at them. I'm gonna think they're better for that part than I am, and so I'm just gonna just blow it. You know? And then I just I got rid of that, and it's now it's so it's so much fun to just to, to audition. I, yeah. If I can relate to my story of going back to refereeing, sure. when I when I refereeing, you're working hard and trying to get ahead and you trying to move up, and all of a sudden you're doing the expensive, the real high class games, and all of a sudden you're, now you're doing a little bit of college, you're thinking moving up, <laughs> but then the anxiety, like, oh my God, I got to make sure and everything. Big time. And then, like you, eventually I got to a point where I wasn't interested, even though it was important to pay well doing college and all that mm-hmm. stuff, I like the small town football games. And just going, because that's where you remember, like, God, this is the reason why I liked it. Because it's a small town where the entire town is closed up. The only thing that's on is the stadium lights. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole world. Nothing. It's almost like the whole world shut down. And that's the most important thing going on. And it was fun. It was so, there's a little more amateurish. Yeah. It was a little more, and then you're like, it's a little more relaxed. I wouldn't say it's, not, they, obviously, it's very important for them. You know, I think if I'm following your yeah. if I'm following your trajectory here correctly, I, I can make an analogy with with L.A. and that's how I felt going to Hollywood. In Minnesota, I'm I'm kind of a medium sized to big fish in a tiny pond. In Hollywood, I was a you know a a, a minnow in a giant yeah. ocean, that's and felt, nobody I, knew anybody. I mean, you'd go to audition. I didn't see any of these people before. You, you, nobody was. Mm-hmm. Friendly. Nobody was nothing like that. No, that's when I did college. That was kind of like that because it was very important. You know, we all have to do our job and do it very well. And it was really boring. You have to stick to your jurisdiction, so you can't watch the entire game. You're watching a little slice oh, sure. of the game through the entire time. And it was really boring. It's really serious. It's really mm-hmm. professional. Serious. Everything the, and you and then you the go fun. down. You go down some a little small town where it's like small man football and. Everybody cares and rooting, and it's you know the bugs are getting you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can picture it. Yeah, and eating totally. up, but what the hell? Yeah. Uh, before we uh, cut, um, you're going to be doing participating in a film with our previous guest, Sharla. Yes. Oh, oh this Charla is Marie correct. Bailey. Yes. I have to make sure she was very. Um, her name's not Charla. Her name's Charla Marie. Charla I know. Marie, I yeah. was. I. I've gone. I've had that. I've experienced that correction as well. <laughs> Um, so don't feel bad about that. No. Yeah, so and yeah, she was this previous guest, and she also before she left last week, she was mentioned that um, she was going to do this movie with you. And I think uh, previous guest Lori Rovers is with. Yeah. So yes, it's an Owen, it's an Owen Rice Royce film. Um, it's called Searchlight. Um, it's got some. It's got a. It's a great story. It's a fantastic story. It's so funny, and I, I suppose Sharla. Already Marie. went through this. Shella Marie. Marie already went through this a little bit off uh, off off air. So um, it. I don't think I'm not giving anything away by telling you, giving you a little idea of the uh, the synopsis of it. Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a film about Nixon and um, Jackie Gleason and their friendship and how um, Gleason had some um, desires, uh, some interest in in UFOs and. Um, and Nixon, being Nixon, um, had <laughs> actual some actual access to um, to uh, 
UFO uh, ships and aliens. Now, this is a true story, which has never been verified, uh, but apparently uh, Nixon showed Jackie Gleason um, an alien. So, But it's just a hilarious script. And it's... It, it, these, these, well, it has to be as Jackie oh. Gleason. So right. um, E.J. Subkoviak is... Um, and I'm saying his name wrong. Sorry, E.J. Um, I've known E.J., for years, 30 years, probably 20 years, uh, since Tony Tina's wedding, I think. Uh, he was in that. Um, uh, plays um, Jackie Gleason. He, oh, he does an excellent job. Good, good. And, and Owen Royce plays Nixon, and, he's, and he wrote it, and he's directing it. He's spot on. It's just, it is just so good. You got to have so that good. little hunch over oh, little, little, little They're going to do some prosthetics. They got, they got uh, Chris Ballast as our uh, makeup guy. Who I think he's got an Academy Award. I remember right. Yeah, yeah. for one of the uh, Star Wars. Maybe I can't remember. Yeah, uh, our listeners would probably know him. Probably tell us. But. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've worked with him before. I love him. He's a great dude. He's he's so nice and friendly and sweet and wonderful. And um, it's very it's if I don't know much about it, but it, you know it's very tempting to go way overboard with the comedy and the. And oh, the, you could. Yeah. I think they got, I, I, these guys are these but, guys are professionals. They they're yeah. good. They're it's, good. It's, yeah. it's that tempting to way go way overboard, but also. Especially with those two guys, you have to do it almost underwhelming a little bit at times too. I think they were talking about that at the read through the other night. Really? That um, they both had um, qualified themselves uh, after studying to uh, to just not be a character. That's mm-hmm. the that's the thing that you don't want to be as yeah. uh, a character of of that person. Like Nixon is easy to be a character, right? right? I mean, Mar- Marty Scorsese did that with Kate Blanchett when she had to play Catherine Hepler in an av- Aviator, and she was doing a character of it, did them with the voice and everything. And Marty had, look, you're not Catherine Hepburn. You're never going to be Catherine Hepburn. Be Kate Blanchett doing Catherine. There you go. And then it just kind of yeah. And these guys. They got it. I think they understand that. Wonderful. Yeah. And it's going to call Searchlight. Searchlight, yes. When are we going to start principal filming? Uh, September, uh, the, the second week of September. Yeah, starting the second week of September. So, Okay. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. For oh, it's exciting. It's a, it's I, a feel, I feel honored to be uh, to be a part of this. It's a short film? Or it's a, it's going to be a short, um, but a, a, I... I don't know what you would call because it, it's longer than a short. I mean, it's going to be, be like, like twenty to forty minutes. All right. So that's not quite a. I think forty minutes is a full length feature. They consider that a full length feature. Forty yeah. minutes or beyond. So, but maybe let's say this is going to be twenty to thirty minutes. So it's still a short. Exciting. Um, but it, yeah, it'll be it, it'll be a, a really beautiful piece. I think a lot of great people working on it. Um, it does help. I remember one person we had, um, Kyle Hester from LA, and his his clue is. And you want to make a good film? Don't hire people that suck. <laughs> that's, that's great advice. <laughs> hire people that know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're 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 calling this a short narrative drama, uh, where Nixon meets Gleason. It's a secret meeting at a homestead, um, Air Force Base. Um, it's got uh, Lori Rovers, Rovers, right? Yeah, she's a preview uh, guest of the show. Okay, Charlotte Marie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dante Pirtle, uh, myself, um, Owen Royce, um, Raina Rio, star, is the producer. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. I, I she's amazingly talented, and she's um, she's picked up a produ- a pro- producer position within this and has done a great job. I can't imagine. She says she enjoys being a producer. 
I would hate being a producer because there's so many little things that you got to do. And you just, if I had hair, I wouldn't have any because I'd be pulling it out. <laughs> but so yeah. my my uh, shout out to Raina <laughs> for being such a wonderful person for doing this and all the great work that she's done. So. Wonderful. Well, well, definitely look forward to it. And we have to definitely have you come back and talk about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And anybody else yeah. part of it. Yeah. It's called Searchlight. Searchlight. This Searchlight. is, yes, yeah. this was, um, um, my character is a um, Secret Service agent and Nixon's uh, um, handle was Searchlight. That was his handle because we were always looking for him because he liked to hide. Hide. Yeah. <laughs> Sneak off and do other things. Um, Paul, thanks for coming, man. Hey, Nick, thanks for having me, man. We definitely have to have You're you come awesome, back, yeah. right? Um, sure. If Paul knows, um, it's not over till the guests say it's over. It's over. Ooh.